Welcome to In The Know, a podcast hosted by Caitlin Dager and Samara Delmenico, where we take a deep dive into the boring stuff to bridge the gap between the law and young people. In other words, giving you your Legally Blonde moment. I object. Hello, episode one. How do you feel? I'm trying hard not to squeal because I don't want to hurt people's ears when they're listening in headphones. So I'm internally squealing a little bit. But I'm excited. Happy to be here. Yeah, very, very exciting. Who are we? And why are we making a podcast? This is Caitlin. And I am Samara. I am a recent law graduate, but not yet a lawyer. And I am a law student making my way through blindly fumbling. Yay! What, what made you want to start a podcast about the legal issues that we're going to talk about? Well, I think I probably wouldn't go so far as to say legal issues, but more like the basic stuff to give people the tools to understand why they have to do certain things mm. or like I guess give them the power to to like say no. Yeah I think we had a bit of a meeting of minds you will say it was your idea but I'm it gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say a meeting of minds we were talking about how not many people actually know what the law is and and how it governs their life. Building on that I think that we realized if we hadn't have studied law, we wouldn't know where to look up legislation. We wouldn't even know how to understand it. So We, we wouldn't thought, know what we didn't know, I guess, is the thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we thought that we would just use our voices to be able to pass that information on in a, in a bite-sized piece. I think what it really was that got me over the line was there, there's a lot of like clickbait and a lot of argument and heated discussion about rats and, you know, being unjustly mm. forced to stay home or not mm. see your friends or whatever. And whether or not Karen was right when she said that wearing a mask is unlawful. Yeah. Warning, everyone right to go? Everyone right to go? You guys all right to go? Everyone right to go? So if you're a Melbourneian, that lovely gentleman's voice will be one you're very familiar with right now our premier mr dan andrews daddy dan he's also known affectionately as and we're here to talk to you about his press conferences the north face jacket versus the blazer i think the whole of melbourne took a sigh of relief last weekend when dan rocked up with his north face jacket on it's become quite a meme Quick side note here, it's Sunday and we are editing this podcast and Dan rocked up in his blazer for today's announcement and it was bad news. Here in Melbourne for the last, what, three months, we've been under really, really harsh restrictions. Stage four, we've had state of emergency, state of disaster, can't leave further than 5Ks from your home. You only have two hours to exercise. Was we have to wear a mask. Was initially one, you're right. We have to wear masks. You're not allowed to be in public with more than two people. It's been really tough. Yeah, it has. And it definitely got me thinking, and I'm sure many of us thinking, how are they able to do this to us? How can our government give these restrictions to, yeah, really our fundamental rights? I think there's been a lot of panic about it as well. People don't really understand what's going on and they, they don't understand how this can be happening. And I think also the way that everyone and the journos keep throwing around state of emergency and state of disaster, they sound like scary bad things. And we're here to tell you that they're not really the scary bad things you should be worrying about. Mm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So let's get into the boring stuff. Yay! Before we get into the episode, just a quick disclaimer. 
In the No podcast, and affiliated content are for information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice on any matter. For the full disclaimer and further information, please refer to our show notes. We will do our best to explain everything, but if you're not confident in your baseline legal knowledge, we've actually put together a bonus episode that's a bit of an explainer about the relevant bits of the Australian legal system that'll help you piece it all together. In this case, we're talking about legislation. So if you don't know what that means, head over to that episode now. I thought this was an interesting little fact. According to the Victorian Legislation website, there are 794 acts currently in force in Victoria. That is such a nerd fun fact. My fun fact (laughs) was going to be about the fact that New South Wales courts have officially ruled that no landlord can disallow tenants from having pets. But no, we'll run with the 794 acts currently in force. And I'm the nerd. It's It's not. (laughs) Okay. Back on topic. The state of emergency and the state of disaster, generally speaking, give the government emergency powers to get around the lengthy process that is usually necessary to make new legislation and new laws. And if right now that gives you alarm bells, probably rightly so, because it means that the scrutiny process that we again, plug, 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 describe in our bonus episode for this week is basically sidestepped. Yeah. So our government essentially can put into place whatever they think is right and can deem necessary for, in circumstances of COVID, the protection of our community. So talking about COVID... There are three key pieces of legislation that are used. The first is the Public Health and Wellbeing Act, and it is the main one. Its purpose is to promote the public health of Victoria, and it does things like give the chief health officer his power, regulates management of infectious disease, and most importantly, deals with these emergency powers that we're talking about. And it works in, I guess, conjunction is a way you could say, with the second and third pieces of legislation relevant today, which are the Emergency Management Act from 2013 and the Emergency Management Act from 1986. (laughs) Basically, they just work side by side. But have the same name, which is just a very law thing to do. Yeah. The main takeaway here is that the three acts operate together to give the emergency powers to our government which allows our leadership team to respond to emergencies that, to quote the parliamentary paper on the issue, threaten the safety, property or integrity of the state. So let's explore this a bit further, starting with state of emergency. This is like the lesser of the two, so we'll we'll ease you in. Here's the rundown. The state of emergency can be declared in response to public health crises which pose a serious risk to public health, a.k.a. COVID. So this is declared by the relevant minister. In this case, it was Jenny Makarkos. Yes, the one that resigned not long ago with that cryptic, I'm not responsible, but I swear it's not my fault, but I'm still resigning, spill, re-hotel quarantine. But that's irrelevant. And she declared this on the advice of the Chief Health officer and emergency management commission which was put together by the government once these emergency powers are invoked the normal legislation and powers are set aside and the government can make regulations in regard to anything it deems necessary to respond to that emergency 
And this is without the usual parliamentary scrutiny. Alarm bells! Essentially, they kind of get free range, which is a little bit scary, to be honest. In saying this, and before you panic, there are certain checks and balances where they have to justify certain things or report to Parliament as soon as practicable post-declaration. So in Victoria, the state of emergency, as most of us would be aware, was declared on the 16th of March. That feels like a really, really long time ago. And this was in response to the developing COVID pandemic. So this declaration then allows under the Public Health Act, for the Chief Health Officer to direct and set requirements for the elimination or reduction of risk to public health. This is stuff like having to isolate if you're a confirmed case or a close contact or limits on the amount and types of people that to visit someone in hospital, just all that kind of general stuff you're not allowed to do. If you want to read the ins and outs of these specifics, DHHS has all the directions on their website So the longest period that a state of emergency can be declared for is actually four weeks. However, it can be continually extended at the end of that period for a total of six months under normal circumstances. However, they made some amendments to the legislation earlier this year to mean that it can be extended for up to 12 months due to COVID. And this would be the stuff that I would say is the clickbait all over Facebook. It doesn't necessarily mean that the government will keep us under restrictions for that four weeks. So it just means that so long as COVID is around and we need to protect the health and safety of the people around us, some sort of restrictions can be in place. And these can be things as simple as if you're a confirmed case, you have to stay inside Mm -hmm. and you have to isolate and you can't see people or it can be as bad as our 5K radius. It is a pretty scary thought though, but As we said, there are reporting conditions imposed by the legislation. So if the state of emergency is extended beyond the regular six months, Daddy Dan must report on the reasons for this extension and include a report of advice from the chief health officer to the parliament so that checks and balances can happen. So even in the chaos and craziness that is 2020, our checks and balances still prevail. I mean, in practice, we've all seen in the news recently the Supreme Court proceeding in relation to the curfew and the High Court proceeding in relation to the 5K travel ban. So these are questions of proportionality of restrictions, which is essentially what the government has to use to justify any restriction at all. And essentially, this forces the government to undertake a really detailed review into the current restrictions and determine whether or not they're warranted. Hello, Caitlin here with a quick editor's note. So we don't have any sponsors, but feel like you guys deserve a bit of a break. So instead, enjoy these very embarrassing bloopers. Here you go. Marker. And action. I'm no, not. That's an explanation. Mykonos, is that how you say it? I don't know. I don't know. Junior Macacos, thank you very much. Macacos. Okay. Okay. Mick, 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 Junior Macacos, thank you very much. Macacos. Hoo hoo, disclaimer. Is, I want to say when she gets serious, but I don't want my mum to hear me say it. Oh, so hungry. Now, onto the state of disaster, which takes it up one further. 
So state of disaster is declared under the Emergency Management Act and it allows Premier, sorry, Daddy Dan, to declare a state of disaster after consulting relevant ministers and the Emergency Management Commissioner. This was first declared in Victoria on August 2nd and was done following a very, 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 very lengthy report on all the reasons why the state emergency just was not doing it for us here in Victoria anymore. State of disaster is our big guy. And this relates to any kind of super bad thing inclusive of, and I quote, a plague or epidemic or contamination. Hello, COVID. It also lasts for a maximum of four weeks, but can be extended via a further declaration. So why the big guns? The difference between state of emergency and this state of disaster is that it allows the minister, in this case, we're talking about the Minister for Police and Emergency Services, Lisa Neville, to declare that any act or its instruments is suspended if, and I quote again, it appears that compliance with it by a government agency would inhibit the response to or recovery from the disaster. So long story short, it means that Any other of those 700 and whatever it was acts that Samaya referred to earlier. 792. Thanks, I'm glad I know that now. Can be pushed aside and replaced for this temporary period by anything the government declares is necessary to protect us. Fun fact time! Just to break out all the law stuff with more law stuff. um, State of disaster was first ever used in the history of forever in Victoria in January 2020 in response to the bushfires. Literally, what is 2020? Now, on to penalties. How the heck can you be fined for this? So the Public Health and Wellbeing Act sets out the penalties for failing to comply with any of the aforementioned directions. There's a little part about penalty units. And this is the part that tells you how much you'll be fined, or the maximum amount rather, that you would be fined if you don't comply with one of these directions we've talked about. To explain, a penalty unit is something to determine the amount a person is fined for committing an offence. The current value as at 1 July 2020 is $165.22 for each penalty unit. So if a person refuses or fails to comply, under this legislation, they are up for 120 penalty units if they're a natural person, aka you and I, or 600 if you're a body corporate. That means you can be fined up to $19,826.40 as a natural person. For literally not wearing your mask. And a whopping $99,132 if you're a body corporate. Wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. But luckily, everyone can take a sigh of relief as it would be kind of crazy if the government imposed these hideously large fines on the spot and possibly unreasonable. So Victoria Police has been delegated the power to issue on-the-spot infringement notices. These are like the ones you get from PSOs. And these carry a penalty of 10 penalty units. So that's that $1,652 you always hear about for individuals and then 60 penalty units, which equates to $9,913 for body corporates. So like still a pretty decent amount of money, but it's no 100 grand, hey? Okay, so I'm sure everyone's brains are fried after that whole spiel. So let's do a little too long didn't read of this guy. Okay, so there are three acts. 
the Public Health and Wellbeing Act, which allows for the state of emergency, and then the two emergency management acts that allow for the state of disaster. So essentially, the state of emergency is what gives our government the ability to set all of these directions and the restrictions and keep us at home. So state of disaster is when is for when it gets serious because it basically just lets our government throw away any act, any part of any act they see fit because they deem it is getting in the way of them responding or being in the best position to respond to the pandemic. But to do that, they do have to do a really long and evidence-based report. It has to be run past a whole heap of people before it's actually allowed to happen. So congratulations for making it this far. And hopefully if you have, maybe next time, Uncle Roger goes absolutely berserk in the comment section of Channel 7's Facebook page, you can craft the perfect, well-educated response. Or simply tell him where to shove it. (laughs) We are a tiny, independent podcast recording this remotely on the floor of our bedrooms. Your support in getting our names out there is what's going to keep us going. We would love it if you could subscribe on your favourite pod streaming app, leave us a review and follow us on Instagram at inthenow underscore podcast. See you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks.